Now, of those, how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? Oh, what do you know? Fox News, single payers popular. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, and Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Goldendale, Washington on KVGD, Talking about Washington a little bit today. Uh, up in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around super swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Okay, uh, Desi Doyen, uh, riddle me this. <laughs> we had a few bad riddles. Remember the bad riddle I shared uh, yes on yesterday's show? Yes, it was very punny. That I loved as a kid, and I used it to introduce a segment on voter suppression uh, stories from Tennessee and Arkansas. The riddle is, what did Tennessee... And the answer is the same thing, Arkansas. Well, Eli the K, otherwise known as Eli from uh, Minnesota, Delaware, and Pennsylvania on the Twitters, wrote in to say, Tennesseeing what Arkansas is good and all, but what did Delaware? <laughs> Eli answers, her New Jersey, of course. <laughs> So, uh, see, there you go. You're welcome, all you folks uh, who uh, are kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help support Desi <laughs> and I stay on the air. Don't ever say you haven't gotten your money's worth out of this <laughs> program. Uh, anyway, thank you for joining us on today's broadcast. A ton of stuff, unfortunately, that we have to get to. Let's start with super genius Donald Trump on Monday as uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral was burning and he encouraged France to use flying water tankers to put out the raging fire as firefighters rushed to save one of the country's most visited landmarks. He tweeted, so horrible to watch the massive fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Perhaps flying water tankers could be used to put it out. Must act quickly. 
because I'm sure those hundreds of uh, Parisian firefighters had not thought of that idea without the American president giving them this advice. Noted fire expert. Yes. he. Well, he did have a fire in one of his towers. Remember that a year or two ago? Yeah. They but didn't he, put out yeah. use uh, water tankers for that. I and wonder why. He thinks he's an expert at everything. Now, uh, thankfully, they did not listen to his advice. And the structure of Notre Dame was saved thanks to the work of those hundreds of firefighters. Uh, The structure was saved, at least from total destruction. They did not use aircraft to dump water on the building, which France's civil defense agency had dismissed earlier in a pair of tweets, saying in French, the drop of water by air on this type of building could indeed result in the collapse of the entire structure. Alongside those who are currently doing the maximum to save Notre Dame. He uh, said helicopter or airplane, the weight of the water and the intensity of the drop at low altitude could indeed weaken the structure of Notre Dame and result in collateral damage to the buildings in the vicinity. And yet that was uh, Donald Trump's fine idea. And by the way, France did uh, does have six aircraft air tankers that they converted into uh, a water drop Uh, tankers that can drop 2,600 gallons of water at a tax roundtable event later on Monday as the cathedral was burning. Trump said that the cathedral was, quote, burning at a level that you rarely see a fire burn. The president said that French authorities believe the cause of the fire was the renovation that was underway. And Trump said, I hope that's the reason. Renovation? What's that all about? But it's a terrible sight to behold, he said. So what do you mean, what's that all about, renovation? That's his idea of coming up with something nice to say. No, actually, uh, well, A, it's about renovation, jackass. That's what it's (laughs) about. But I'm, you know, I'm guessing he doesn't bother to renovate his own dumps very often. So he may not be familiar with the word. But not to mention that he seemed almost disappointed to find out that it wasn't a Muslim terror attack. As far as I can tell, I think that's what he meant by renovation. Yeah, sure, it was renovation, whatever. And sure enough, on Twitter and elsewhere over the past 24 hours, white supremacists and other Trump supporters like them were expressing disbelief that this could have been an accident, that it must have been arson and almost certainly by a Muslim, a terrorist, as their evidence-free smears seem to suggest. Now, for the record, according to the Associated Press, the Paris prosecutor's office explicitly ruled out arson or terror-related motives as the cause of the fire on Monday. Police instead are investigating involuntary destruction caused by the fire, according to AP. But the good news is that not only is the bulk of the 850-year-old Paris icon saved, but French President Emmanuel Macron has proclaimed that France will rebuild and uh, said today that they will finish the job in five years, which will be no easy feat. Now, they are being helped along the way. I'm sure you've heard this news that France's three wealthiest families are coming to the rescue of the national icon, spearheading a fundraising uh, drive to rebuild Notre Dame that has already topped $700 million. The billionaires behind luxury giants LVMH Group, Kering and L'Oreal, 
That's the makeup uh, group, I guess. Uh, yep. On Tuesday, they pledged a combined $565 million after the massive fire ripped through the Paris Cathedral. LVMH and its CEO, Bernard Anol, have promised $226 million. That donation has been matched by the Betancourt Myers family, which controls L'Oreal, the Pinault family, which operates luxury conglomerate Caring, has pledged $113 million. The uh, three fashion dynasties have invoked patriotism and shared cultural identity in explaining their generosity following the devastating fire. Other French companies have also written big checks. The oil and gas company Total has promised $113 million, while tech and consulting firm Capgemini will give uh, 1 million euros, 1.1 million dollars, combined with other donations from companies including French bank uh, Credit Agricole. The total amount pledged by business and wealthy donors has reached 700 million dollars, at least as of this morning. I haven't checked this afternoon. Now, I don't mean to uh, sound ungrateful here, and I'm glad there will be money to uh, build, to rebuild this important historical icon. But just three of the nation's wealthiest families and a few huge corporations in less than 24 hours are able to cough up $700 million, damn near $1 billion, that they just appear to have sitting around? How very... Les Mis of them. Uh, Where were those folks when the yellow vest protests in Paris were going on because there had been an increase in the gas tax in hopes of curbing the burning of fossil fuels that are causing our seemingly unstoppable climate crisis that threatens not just one historical cathedral, but threatens the entire world and its billions of inhabitants. Where were those rich folks and their billions of extra dollars just sitting around at that point? Did I did I miss it when they stepped up to say, oh, no, don't worry about that tax. We'll cover it because we just happen to have billions lying around unused that may not go to a uh, to to a building that will forever have our names attached to it for saving it. But will actually help instead save the lives of untold numbers of human beings on the planet. Am I being ungrateful here, Desi no, Doyen? I, I, well, uh, I don't think so. You know, I had thought the same thing myself. I was like, wait a second. Three French families yeah. can literally snap their fingers and suddenly dispense, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that they just have, what, lying around in the couch cushions? I mean, they could I, I guess step that's what in it seems. to help people. They just choose not to. Well, exactly. Now, yeah, so, I, I mean, I realize it might sound ungrateful, but, uh, for example, just one of the families detailed glowingly in this CNN article, getting great press, these uh, these generous billionaires, uh, billionaires are there for their selfless, uh, uh, generous charity efforts. Uh, just one of the families, Francois uh, Henri Penol, uh, the CEO of Caring and the son of the billionaire businessman Francois Penol, said in a statement, quote, this is according to CNN's coverage here. Faced with this tragedy, everyone wishes to give life back to this jewel of our heritage as soon as possible. The Penal family has pledged $113 million, as I noted earlier. That sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money and a very generous contribution. 
At least it sounds like. In fact, the Pinal family is worth an estimated $37.3 billion, according to Bloomberg. So they're giving $113 million. Now, I am not an expert at math, but uh, trying to convert some of these numbers, uh, $37.3 billion, they're giving $113 million. Uh, if we just knock off uh, six zeros off of all of those numbers, uh, this would be the equivalent of somebody who is worth $37,300. Let's say that's what you had in your savings account, $37,300. This would be the equivalent of you giving $113 to this effort. Are they that generous now? Really? $113? I mean, even if you considered $113 to be a lot of money to give from someone who only had $37,000 in their savings account, that would still be coming from someone who only has $37,000 in their savings account in their name versus someone who had $37 billion lying around. So uh, anyway, A, you know, don't find these people too generous, please. And B, why are they unable to offer more money to help curb the greatest existential threat that may ever have been faced or may ever will be faced by hum human civilization? That being, yes, climate change. One of those uh, companies I mentioned in there, you may have noticed, was oil and gas company Total, Total S.A. Why are you giving me that look, Des? Because I heard exactly what you said there. <laughs> uh, yeah, Total. They, they have promised $113 million as well, by the way. Uh, how much of, of, of that gas tax tab, when that gas tax came up a few months ago, to try to help curb climate change. How much of uh, that tab did Total offer to pick up when the peasants were out there protesting in actual Les Mis style on the streets of Paris? How much did they uh, promise to offer uh, against the amount of money that the tax would cost those people? So for the record, I looked up uh, info from Total SA's annual earnings report for 2018. They are the world's fourth largest oil and gas giant. The company boasted revenues of uh, $209.4 billion, which, by the way, in 2018 was up by $38 billion compared to the year before in 2018. So they're doing pretty well. The Paris-based company beat profit expectations in the final quarter of 2018, causing its full-year profit to skyrocket by 28% to reach an adjusted net income or profit of $13.6 billion last year alone. That is profit, $13.6 billion last year, last year when... The protesters were out there uh, raising hell about a, what was it, a 26 cent uh, additional gas tax that I think was going to be added. Yes, and it was uh, going to go not mostly to clean energy projects. It was actually going to go to pay down the government's debt, which was one of the big complaints that the Yellow Vest protesters mentioned was, wait a second, you just gave the rich and corporations a huge tax cut, and now you're raising it on those of us who have to drive to work every day. 
They didn't raise the tax on total SA for some reason. The people nope. who are actually causing this problem, who actually have $13.6 billion in profit from last year alone sitting around. I mean, the entire uh, gas tax th that was uh, put in place was meant to raise less than $4.2 billion U.S. dollars. So uh, that one company alone, total alone, they made $13.6 billion in profit last year. They could have paid the entire proposed tax for everyone and still made nearly $10 billion in profit last year alone. So let's not get too carried away about how wonderful it is that these families and these companies gen generously stepped up to rebuild Notre Dame. Uh, as happy as I am, by the way, uh, that it will be rebuilt. But there's just some perspective for you that I don't know if uh, we're hearing elsewhere in the media as they're lauding all of these people stepping up. Look how much France loves its well, they may love its build. Uh, they may love their buildings. They may not love their people quite as much. At least these uh, rich people and corporations don't. So there you go. Some perspective. And uh, speaking of uh, climate change and existential threats, <laughs> uh, Democratic presidential candidate Senator Elizabeth Warren announced on Monday, "quote It is wrong to prioritize corporate profits over the health and safety of our local communities." Well, there's an idea. Hey, total SA. Have you heard that one before? She said, that's why on my first day as president, I will sign an executive order that says no more drilling, a total moratorium on all new fossil fuel leases, including for drilling offshore and on public lands. We will discuss her new proposal as well as the uh, actual successful effort uh, already by uh, Washington State Governor Jay Inslee. He is also running for president. Uh, his effort to move the state to 100 percent renewable carbon free electricity within really just a few years. We'll discuss all of that in our latest Green News Report with Desi Doyen coming up later today. Yep. See that long rant just now? That was just a teaser for your Green News Report. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, in related Washington state news, Jay Inslee, the governor there, uh, is getting even less notice today for something else that happened in uh, Washington state late, late last week while everyone is consumed by everything else these days. After Democrats in Olympia pushed through the governor's green agenda last week, they also pushed through a public option health care bill. What? The uh, Chinook Observer describes it as a, quote, uh, public option socialized health care coverage measure. But health care coverage expert uh, Charles Gaba opines uh, in his own coverage of the uh, Observer's article that the term socialized is being misused there since the proposal would be neither socialized medicine, for example, uh, the health care providers wouldn't actually work for the government here, uh, nor would it be single payer since enrollees would still be paying premiums, deductibles and co-pays. Nonetheless, as the Chinook Observer reports, SB 5562 uh, was another key item on the governor's agenda in and it is a so-called public option 
They add socialized health care coverage measure. The bill would uh, create subsidized state-funded public health plans managed by regulated insurance companies. It would require the state insurance commissioner and the health care authority in the state to set up the socialized plans by 2021. Uh, It's a government option. It's a public option. Uh, the plans would be available through the state's health care uh, exchange to all residents, but the state would pay subsidies under uh, presumably under the Affordable Care Act uh, to individuals with incomes of up to five times the poverty level. Premiums would be limited to no more than 10 percent of adjusted gross income. Payments to doctors and other health care providers would be restricted to Medicare level limits. So it's a public option. Uh, using uh, some of uh, both the Affordable Care Act and Medicare uh, uh, provisions. The bill passed the Senate last month by a 36-13 vote after a House version of the repeal uh, uh, passed the House on a 57-41 party-line vote. The final proposal of the House bill was incorporated into the Senate bill. Last week, it passed the House and so uh, changes made to the bill made by uh, changes made to the bill by the House will now have to be approved by the Senate before it goes to the governor for his signature. But since it passed last month, 36-13, it is most likely going to pass any moment in the Senate. And I have a feeling Governor Jay Inslee will sign it. Yep. So it looks like it's a done deal. So if you're considering Governor Inslee for your Democratic primary vote, a public option that uh, Democrats were unable to or uninterested in getting into their Obamacare legislation 10 years ago. Uh, Looks like that at least is going to be happening in the state of Washington. It is not single payer, but it should force uh, hopefully some competition into the for-profit health care market that uh, is not currently there since the state in this case would have a lot more to say about what rates can and cannot be. Meanwhile, for those still looking for their uh, for the full Monty of single player, their straight uncut uh, Medicare for all type drug, uh, there you'd have uh, Bernie Sanders, the current front runner of sorts in the Democratic race for the nomination for uh, president in 2020, at least among those already declared. If you believe in polls and donations as any sort of indication of who leads the race. Bernie Sanders was on Fox News on Monday night for an hour-long town hall for which he faced some criticism from a number of Democrats and progressives uh, for even appearing on the right-wing propaganda channel. That's a worthy debate, I suppose, to have, uh, whether Democrats should appear on Fox News at all, but it is not one that I have time for right now. But I think (laughs) uh, his appearance there, being allowed to respond directly to wingnut Fox News viewers for a full hour, uh, frankly, has quite a bit of value, as uh, this clip that I will play will show. Uh, It also must have been a good idea because it seems to uh, have bothered Donald Trump quite a bit. He faulted Fox News on Tuesday and the audience, which he uh, said uh, on Twitter in in scare quotes, the audience, as if they were rigged, they're rigged, too, Mm. uh, for being, quote, so smiley and nice with Senator Bernie Sanders during the town hall that the network aired on Monday night. 
Uh, he tweeted, so weird to watch Crazy Bernie on Fox News. Not surprisingly, Brett Baer and the, quote, audience was so smiley and nice. Very strange, Trump tweeted. Strange because they were nice to the candidate and smiley. I guess they should have been mean, yelling at him, throwing fruits and vegetables, perhaps. It might be what he would have done. <laughs> Uh, Matt Schumann notes it's understandable that Trump's upset about the town hall on what might otherwise be considered his home turf of Fox News. The event went pretty well for Sanders, notes Schumann, and in fact it did. For some evidence of that, Sanders posted this exchange on his Twitter feed of what happened when one of the two moderators, uh, Brett Baer, I think, the other was Martha McCallum, asked for a show of hands regarding Bernie's proposal to essentially... Uh, replace private for-profit health insurance and the unnecessary immoral increases in the cost of health care that it causes by guaranteeing a federally run Medicare for all system available, as the name implies, to all. Uh, here's how it went. I want to ask the audience a question, if you could raise your hand here. A show of hands of how many people get their insurance from work, private insurance right now. How many get it from private insurance? Most okay. folks Now, of those, hands. how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? There's 180 million people on private insurance. All right, let's deal with that, Brett. And they, question. they would be lost, right? Oh, to a, your Brett, system. Okay. question. Okay. Question. Good, thank and you. I know it's what the right wing throws out, so let me answer it. All right? <laughs> Millions of people every single year lose their health insurance. You know why? They get fired or they quit and they go to another employer. I was the mayor for eight years. You know what I did, what probably every mayor in America does, is you look around for the best insurance program, the most cost-effective insurance. You change insurance. Every year, millions of workers wake up in the morning and their employer has changed the insurance that they have. Maybe they like the doctors. People are nodding their heads. Okay, so this is not new every year. Now, what we're talking about actually is stability. That when you have a Medicare for all, it is there now and will be there in the future. And that was the crowd at the Fox News Town Hall who seemed uh, pretty firmly behind uh, Bernie Sanders' idea for a single-payer Medicare for All system. There. Oh, yes, they were. Very much so. So, yeah, I suspect uh, Trump wouldn't be happy about that, which should make Democrats reconsider perhaps their appearances, their willingness to appear on the right-wing propaganda outlet where uh, it's just possible they could change a few hearts and minds, as maybe, hopefully, Bernie did there. Remember, Trump only uh, quote-unquote won in 2016 by about 80,000 votes in three different states where had two voters in each precinct in those states been recorded as having voted for Hillary instead of having voted for Trump, we wouldn't even be facing this nightmare right now. Just two voters. You know, so there's not a lot of minds, hearts and minds you have to cha change to win the presidency in 2020. And if you can pick up a few on Fox News, might not be a bad idea. Now, we, of course, might be facing a different nightmare right now uh, than the one we're facing, but not this one, which is threatening the very constitutional representative democracy on which this country now finds itself teetering, not to mention the planet itself. 
uh, facing uh, existential threats. Anyway, um, more on that uh, after the break. But very quickly, uh, let me do this uh, since we actually do believe in constitutional representative democracy around here. I mentioned this yesterday, but I didn't have time to give any details. Former Massachusetts Governor William Weld is officially challenging Donald Trump in the 2020 Republican primary, he announced yesterday. Weld said on Monday during an appearance on CNN, I'm running for president of the United States. I would be ashamed of myself if I didn't raise my hand and run. Good for Bill Weld. Well, Weld, who is 73 years old, most recently ran as a, as the running mate of the 2016 Libertarian presidential nominee, Gary Johnson. Weld served two terms as governor of Massachusetts in the 1990s. Uh, a Republican in uh, Massachusetts after there hadn't been a, uh, a GOP governor there for decades. He was known as a fiscally conservative, socially moderate, non-insane Republican. Uh, he re-registered as a Republican earlier this year after becoming a Libertarian for his run in 2016. In his three-and-a-half-minute presidential announcement video, which is actually pretty good, I'll try to link to it uh, when I post the show today. I don't know how well it would play on the radio, however, but you can uh, check it out. Uh, in that, Weld touts his experience balancing the state budget and cutting taxes, as well as his record as U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts under Ronald Reagan. In the video, he also contrasts himself with Donald Trump through clips of Trump making fun of a disabled person, discussing grabbing women by the genitals, and uh, also, by the way, saying things, Trump saying things like, I love WikiLeaks, before last week saying, I don't know anything about WikiLeaks, never heard of them. Uh, Weld announced a presidential exploratory committee back in February. He's traveled to New Hampshire a number of times. Considering this White House bid, he toured downtown Concord, New Hampshire, with the uh, Republican National Committeeman Steve Dupre back in March and discussed the need for an impartial primary process. Well, good luck with that. Hope our uh, listeners on WNHN will uh, try to hold them accountable for that. Uh, if if Weld does not win the nomination, he said he will not run as an independent in the general election. He also said he would not support Donald Trump in the general election. However, he said, I could not support Donald Trump for president. <clears throat> I'm not saying I would I'm not saying I would ever endorse a Democrat in this race, but I could never support the president. Weld said Shortly before the 2016 election, you may or may not recall, Weld voiced support for the uh, Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, sort of, uh, over Trump, despite being on another presidential ticket himself. During an interview with uh, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow in the closing days of the 2016 campaign, Weld said he disagreed with then-FBI Director James Comey's decision to announce publicly that the agency was looking into more Clinton emails just days before the election, and he defended the Democratic presidential nominee. He said, I'm here vouching for Mrs. Clinton, and I think it's high time somebody did. Asked about the uh, 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 campaign press release sent in the wake of the FBI announcement that was critical of Clinton. Again, this was back just before the 2016 race, 
uh, and his own campaign had sent out a, a, a notice that was critical of Hillary Clinton. Weld said, quote, Gary Johnson and I have not agreed on a number of substantive issues in this campaign. I do not agree with that release. So that's Bill Weld. Uh, he is uh, running for the Republican nomination in case anyone on the Republican side has had it with the current loon in the uh, in the Oval Office right now. Uh, you think he'll get an impartial primary process so that uh, he's asked for from the RNC, Des? Gosh, I hope so. Do you think he'll even get on Fox News, by the way? Will he get an hour-long town hall? Since he's the only other announced candidate on the Republican side, and Donald Trump is pretty much on that uh, station 23 hours a day, can they use the other hour to have Bill Well all on? Uh, would he be allowed, by the way, to debate Trump? Will we have debates on the Republican side this coming year? That would be nice to see. We'll have to see what happens. I bet if there's enough public pressure, the Republican National Committee might actually have to, you know, do something. All right. One more reason, as I said, why uh, something like that would be nice to see uh, as our uh, teetering constitutional democracy continues. Let's take a quick break and we will come back to talk about that. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So uh, last night we learned via the uh, Arizona Republic that Donald Trump's ICE Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency uh, deported the spouse of a U.S. soldier killed in Afghanistan, leaving the couple's 12-year-old daughter a U.S. citizen in Phoenix without parents. Our friend Mark Joseph Stern, legal reporter over at Slate, responded on Twitter to this, saying, ICE devoted a huge amount of time and resources to its crusade to deport this man, the father of a young child and widower of a fallen veteran. The agency relishes abject cruelty of this sort. He wrote, ICE is guided by nativist sadism. It is out of control. Uh, our friend Marcy Wheeler uh, of Empty Wheel said, uh, if we had a secretary of defense, I'm sure he'd be raising hell about this, but we don't. So dot, dot, dot. Here's what happened. Uh, immigration officials deported the spouse of a U.S. soldier killed in Afghanistan, leaving the couple's 12-year-old daughter, Evelyn Gonzalez Vieira, uh, a U.S. citizen, back in Phoenix without parents, according to the deported man's lawyer. 
Uh, Jose Gonzalez Carranza, who is 30 years old, was arrested by ICE officers last Monday on his way to his welding job, and he was then deported to Nogales, Mexico on Wednesday, said Ezekiel Hernandez, his uh, Phoenix attorney. Reached by phone, Gonzalez Carranza said he had been living in a shelter in uh, Nogales, Mexico, a shelter for deported migrants in a city that he does not know and that he was worried about his daughter. He said, I feel so bad. I'm thinking about I might never see her again. Gonzalez Carranza was married to Army PFC Barbara Vieira, who was killed on September 18, 2010, while serving in the U.S. Army in Afghanistan. She was 22 years old at the time. She was uh, mortally wounded when insurgents attacked her unit using an IED and a rocket-propelled grenade in the Kunar province of Afghanistan, according to the Pentagon at the time. Her unit had been sent to Afghanistan as part of Operation Enduring Freedom, a name that now seems even more ironic than, frankly, it was when it was initially declared on October 7, 2001, as the U.S. government's official name for their so-called global war on terror in response to the September 11 attacks, using that declaration to then kill untold hundreds of thousands around the world in countless countries over the past 18 years. But I digress. She sacrificed her life for this country, and now her daughter does not have a parent to raise her in the U.S., Gonzalez Carranza told the Arizona Republic. Gonzalez Carranza said he came to the U.S. in 2004 when he was a teenager. He and Vieira married in 2007 after his wife was killed in Afghanistan. Uh, he was granted what is known as parole in place, which allows immigrants in the country illegally to remain in the U.S. without the threat of deportation, according to his attorney, uh, Hernandez. Uh, an immigration judge then terminated deportation proceedings against Gonzalez Carranza based on that parole in place order. However, ICE refiled the case in 2018. A judge ordered Gonzalez Carranza deported in December of 2018 after um, uh, he did not after uh, 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 Carranza did not show up for his court hearing, according to Hernandez. But the reason that Gonzalez Carranza did not show up for his court hearing is because he never received the notice. ICE apparently sent it to the wrong address. Gonzalez Carranza did not find out that a judge had deported him until ICE officers came to his house last Monday and took him into custody and then sent him to Mexico two days later. Hernandez said he filed a motion to reopen the uh, deportation case. The motion triggered an automatic stay of removal, but despite that, ICE deported him anyway, according to the attorney. Again, his wife was killed in Afghanistan fighting for the U.S. They have a 12-year-old daughter who is a U.S. citizen. And despite all of this, he was sent away anyway. On Monday, Hernandez sent out a news release, the attorney, uh, to try to draw attention to the case. He said he can't understand why ICE would de uh, deport this man who has no criminal record. 
The guy's wife died in action in Afghanistan, Hernandez said. After speaking to the Arizona Republic, Hernandez said he then received a call from an ICE officer who told him the agency was making arrangements to allow Gonzalez Carranza back into the U.S. And today we have some good news on that front. Immigration officials reversed their decision on Monday. Gonzalez was allowed to return to the U.S. During an interview, Gonzalez Carranza told the Arizona Republic he was allowed to re-enter the U.S. through the Deconcini port of of, uh, entry in Agalas, Arizona, where he was then driven back to Phoenix, where ICE officials dropped him off at the agency's headquarters near downtown. ICE officials offered no explanation for the decision to allow him to return to the U.S., but Hernandez believes the reversal was triggered by media attention that the deportation received. And yes, that's how it's supposed to work and why media is still so important, especially local media in this case, local media that is closing down all around the country. Gonzalez Carranza uh, said he had uh, not he said he was eager to see his daughter, that he had not told her he had been deported because he was afraid she would be further traumatized after the loss of her mother. Uh, Hernandez, uh, the attorney, said it seemed cruel for ICE to inflict additional pain on the man and his daughter, noting the trauma they experienced after the death of his spouse. There are plenty of people you can go after, but not a guy whose wife died in Afghanistan, he said. It's the height of cruelty for ICE to deport the father of a child whose mother died while serving in the U.S. Army in Afghanistan, said Cecilia Wang, the... uh, Deputy director at the ACLU, she said, uh, adding that she could not recall a similar deportation. The government can exercise its discretion not to pursue deportation against the sole remaining parent of a U.S. citizen child under these circumstances, she said, but apparently not Trump's government. So uh, some some good news there. I mean, this was a, just a, a heartbreaking story uh, when, when um, his late wife, Barbara Vieira, when she died, uh, the the girl here who was essentially made into a, a, an orphan for for a time. Um, she was just three years old. She was too young to know what happened. This, according to. Barbara Vieira's younger sister. Uh, But now the girl is almost a teenager, and they say we talk about her all the time. They celebrate uh, her sister's uh, birthday and the anniversary of her death because we want my niece to know that her mother died fighting for her country. And the thanks her country gives her for the death of her mother is deport the father and make her essentially an orphan in her own country for no good reason whatsoever. When they have the discretion to do otherwise. Correct. There's absolutely zero reason for this to have happened in the first place. There was supposed to be a stay on his deportation order, and yet ICE somehow... I don't understand how ICE is allowed to ignore these court orders. Oh, ICE can do whatever the hell it wants. ICE can do whatever the hell it wants. And Donald Trump has told the director of the uh, Department of Homeland Security that he can do whatever he wants and he will pardon him if a judge decides otherwise. And yet, for some reason, Democrats are still not trying to impeach this guy. Are you serious? Uh... And I had uh, 
well, I had a whole other uh, rant I wanted to get into on that, but that will have to wait for another day because at least here we have a, uh, for now anyway, a happy-ish ending to that story. So I will take it. But we not yet do we have a happy-ish ending uh, for the story of an 11-year-old that the Trump administration is trying to deport without her family. But at least there is one hero in Houston standing up for her. As uh, a writer over at Daily Coast, uh, Semdem, brought to my attention, he, I think it's a he, uh, wrote, Most people can agree that you don't torture children to punish adults. You don't rip children from their parents to serve as a deterrent or warning to others. Yet Trump followers uh, aren't normal. Last year, government officials and random followers told Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo to just shut up and follow orders after he tweeted out a Washington Post story on the administration's extraordinarily cruel family separation policy at the border at the time, along with the text, uh, American values, conservative values, progressive values, Judeo-Christian values, family values. History and God will be unkind to those who are silent or support this oppressive, inhumane, ungodly policy. God is watching, said the chief. We can't hide from him. WWJD? Mm. What would Jesus do? That's the hashtag, WWJD. One such uh, wingnut on Twitter who was critical of the Houston police chief uh, responded to him by saying, uh, as, as photos and videos of crying infants and toddlers were making their way into the media at the time, uh, quote, don't you have a large police department to run? Worry about the citizens of your city and your officers. Leave the policies to those who are actually politicians. Well, Chief Acevedo responded to the Twitter jackass by tweeting, we have 600,000 plus immigrants in this city and ensuring they trust their police department is critical to our mission of keeping our city safe. Messages like yours must be what the German police were told leading up to the Holocaust. Not this chief, not this nation, not this time. Pretty good, right? Bam. That yes. was that was last year. Now, uh, Semdem details, uh, the Trump administration has apparently ordered the deportation of an 11-year-old girl from El Salvador who sought asylum with her family due to the threats from MS-13. The gang has reportedly been systematically killing her family members in El Salvador over a relative who witnessed a murder and testified against the murderer in court. The little girl has made all 10 of her appointments with ICE, yet a clerical error that occurred during Trump's government shutdown didn't have her scheduled for an appointment that she showed up for. But so she was told to go home. She showed up anyway, and she was told to go home, uh, but then was given a letter saying that she never showed up at all and would be deported back to El Salvador alone. Now, you would think Semdem notes... An 11-year-old, let's just remind... An 11-year-old, right. You would think, as Semdem notes, this would be an easy fix for the Executive Office for Immigration Review, but no, as of today, this little girl is still due for deportation. And, of course, there's fear that MS-13 is waiting for her back home. Semdem says, I haven't heard a peep of protest from Texas megachurch pastors of the so-called religious right or from Senator Ted Cruz, 
who doesn't seem to care, even though Chief Acevedo reminded him that his family fled communist Cuba. Uh, U.S. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, however, this week announced her support for the 11-year-old girl, Laura Maradiaga, who was ordered deported without her family, as her attorney has filed to reopen and rehear this case, according to the Houston Chronicle. Most importantly, however, some Dem notes, Trump doesn't care. Chief Acevedo in Houston, however, had a few choice words for those who keep lecturing him about the importance of following orders. After tweeting out this story of this 11-year-old deported without her family uh, and uh, adding with the link, echoing some of his comments from last year, he says, this is heart-wrenching. A thousand points of light, family values, American values, Judeo-Christian values. If you are a person of faith, speak out, WWJD. He then added in reply to his own tweet, yep, the Nazis enforced their laws as well. You don't separate children from their families ever. He wrote, you'd have to kill me to take my child from me simply because I was trying to get them to a better place for a better tomorrow. I am glad to be on the right side of history. Well, I am glad that Chief Acevedo is uh, on the right side of history as well and uh, that, frankly, he is the police chief in Houston right now. Indeed. Uh, Semdem adds, to resist the worst atrocities of our dark era, we need more people willing to stand up against blatant cruelty and tyranny. When the sad, sick chapter of our nation's story ends, history will remember those who enabled and those who made excuses. But it will also remember those who spoke out and those who resisted. History will look kindly on good men like Chief Art Acevedo. And I would add on all of those who understand the gravity of this moment in history and that what is going on right now is much more troubling than a funny-looking reality TV star who somehow won the presidency and says really crazy and stupid things all the time. Isn't that fun? This has very real consequences for a whole lot of people. No, it is not all that funny. So thanks, Chief. All right, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Speaking of consequences, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Greatly appreciate you sticking with us today. Thank you very much. Tough day. <laughs> so yes. thanks for hanging in there. We'll only make things better. Well, I don't know about that. As we get to our latest Green News Report. We've lost about half of the south side of Franklin. It's totally destroyed. 
Deadly swarm of tornadoes from Texas to Delaware. The Department of Interior will come to stand for the Department of Oil Interests. Interior Department Inspector General already investigating Trump's new Interior Secretary. Plus, people are coming to realize the urgency of this. 2020 Democratic presidential candidates roll out policies to expand renewable energy and combat climate change. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. According to the president, birds aren't the only victims of windmills. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? Of course, windmills cause cancer. That's why everyone in Holland is dead. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Also, noise does not cause cancer. Although, I believe listening to Donald Trump might cause brain damage. Okay, Desi Doyen, it seems like every week it's a new extreme weather disaster these days. Yes, and this week is no different, sadly. A deadly weekend swarm of tornadoes and severe thunderstorms have killed at least nine people and injured dozens. The National Weather Service has confirmed at least 41 tornadoes struck in eight southern and eastern states from Texas to Delaware. 41 tornadoes? At least. A powerful EF3 tornado flattened part of the small town of Franklin, Texas, according to Franklin Police Chief Terry Thibodeau. You got houses turned over, you got houses off foundations. It, it looks like a bomb had gone off. Now, research on the influence of global warming on tornadoes is mixed, mostly due to a lack of data. But scientists have identified some trends. For example, over the last 40 years, the most tornado-prone region of the country is shifting east, with tornadoes becoming more frequent in southeastern states, including an increase in more deadly nighttime tornadoes. Mm. In the nation's capital, as expected, the Republican-controlled U.S. Senate confirmed former oil and gas lobbyist David Bernhardt late last week as the new Trump Interior Secretary. To be in charge of overseeing the oil and gas companies on behalf of the federal government. As Deputy Interior Secretary, Bernhardt worked to weaken several key environmental regulations like the Endangered Species Act that also just happened to benefit his former clients. Bernhardt replaced the scandal-plagued former Secretary Ryan Zinke, but he may be even more ethically challenged than his predecessor. On Monday, after only four days officially on the job, the Inspector General of the Interior Department opened an investigation into Bernhardt's many conflicts of interest. But some good news, a federal judge has blocked the Trump administration from ditching an Obama-era regulation that closed a loophole allowing oil, coal, and natural gas companies to undervalue resources and legally cheat taxpayers out of royalties from natural resources extracted from taxpayer-owned public lands. So legally cheating taxpayers turns out to be illegal? It does. Cool. The judge said the Trump Interior Department's rollback was, quote, wholly improper. Reinstating the rule is expected to bring in more than $71 million a year from companies extracting oil, coal, and natural gas from the public's lands. Also good. 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts has issued the first major public lands climate policy of any 2020 candidate. On Monday, she proposed a broad plan to enact a full moratorium on 
all new fossil fuel leases on public lands, reinstate the methane pollution rule for drillers to cut their methane pollution, reinstate the clean water rule that protects the nation's drinking water supply, and prioritize the expansion of renewable energy projects on public lands. In a statement announcing the policy, Boren said, quote, It's time to stop corporations from pillaging our public lands and leaving taxpayers to clean up the mess. Long past time. Finally, the Washington state legislature has officially passed one of the most ambitious clean energy bills in the nation, ordering the state's electric utilities to phase out coal by 2025, achieve 100 percent carbon neutral electricity by 2030 and 100 percent zero carbon electricity by 2045. On Sunday's Meet the Press, Washington State Governor Jay Inslee, who is also a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, said he believes focusing on bold climate action will inspire and engage voters in 2020. People are coming to realize the urgency of this. It's actually tied with health care as the number one priority. People are now getting this. What used to be a graph on a chart is now reality. Washington joins Hawaii, California, New Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Washington, D.C. in committing to a 100 percent clean electricity target. It seems like this is not all that hard. California's doing it. Hawaii's doing it. Washington's doing it. It sure seems like if there was a mandate from the federal government, every state could be doing this right now. Exactly. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. It's easy. It's slightly more complicated than that, but it's definitely doable, achievable. It can be done, and it can be done by 2050. Yes, I do have a quick follow-up. You know how uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts had introduced her own public lands policy. She was the first 2020 presidential candidate to do so. Bernie Sanders has now followed up uh, earlier today. He actually put out his own public lands policy, also calling for a moratorium on all new fossil fuel leases. So it came in too late for a GNR. Yes, it did. It's not like you were trying to uh, ignore Bernie, right? No, not okay, at all. Okay, just trying to keep you out of trouble. <laughs> You're Thanks. welcome. Thank you very much, Desi Doy, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download them anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, please follow and share what we do. You'll find me there at the Bradblog. And as ever, my Thanks to those of you who make it possible for everyone to hear the broadcast by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. You're the only ones who support us, and we are greatly appreciative. Bradblog.com slash donate. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Cause I'm easy.